0: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Ambassadors Forum radio show here on True Talk 800 AM KPDQ. I'm your host, Roy Swart, father of seven, MIT graduate, active engineer in the high tech industry, and most importantly, bought and paid for, bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our mission here at the Ambassadors Forum is to equip you to be able to answer life's hard questions the same way Jesus did. I have the privilege of having two guests today with me in the studio, a father and son duo, Herb and Joel Gray. Herb is an Oregon lawyer with over 26 years of litigating free speech, religious liberty, and conscience cases arising under the U.S. and Oregon constitutions, including defense of traditional marriage, parents' rights, the transgender agenda in public schools, and the Sweet Cakes by Melissa case. He is a member of the National Board of Directors for the Christian Legal Society and has long been an allied attorney affiliated with Alliance Defending Freedom. Herb practice before Oregon trial and appellate courts, the U.S. District Court for Oregon, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, and the United States Supreme Court. Joel is an Oregon native. He graduated from Sunset High School in 2012 and graduated from George Fox University with a B.A. in History and Political Science in 2016. Since graduating, he has worked in insurance but spends substantial amounts of time reading fiction, history, political theory, and current events. His particular interests are the American Revolution, American slavery, Russia, and of course the Galactic Empire, and the Intergalactic Banking Clan. Herb and Joel are going to be guest hosting a couple of radio episodes where they do some book reviews. So I'm excited for you guys to do that. I'm excited to see what you come up with and listen to those episodes. Talking about being well-read, especially on historical topics, is a great transition. Tell me a little bit about how you guys thought of this idea of a book review and give our audience just a little sneak peek of what you guys have in mind.
1: Since graduating college, really, I've wanted to keep reading and historical knowledge because it's really passionate, but there just is not a great market for historians these days, frankly. (laughs) So what really uh, started this was just uh, some reading I'd been doing on my own related to the USSR's favorite dictator, Joseph Stalin. Mm. That had really just started from a long line of, you know, I read War and Peace, and then I read about the Romanovs, and here we are.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and if I could tell a story on Joel. um, Sure. The end of his freshman year at George Fox, I came home from a long day at work, and this was his first day after being done with the school year, and he said... I read a 400-page book today. What did you do? (laughs) And my response was, I just finished working 10 hours. (laughs) But I share that story sort of tongue-in-cheek that most people would assume that at the end of an academic year, a college student would put down books and say, I'm not touching these things for a while. (laughs) And that's not Joel's vibe. I've always been a reader, too. But what's fascinating to me a lot of times, either for my birthday or Christmas or whatever, Joel will give me a book that I have never heard of, but which turns out to be fascinating. Cool. And it opens up a world that, frankly, I had little or no awareness of. Or even if I knew who the characters were, it offers a different perspective on who those people are. And that's done a lot to kind of feed you know my continuing intellectual curiosity. And that's been kind of a fun thing that we share. I don't know how many books I share with him that he really likes, but it certainly comes my direction.
0: <laughs> cool. Well, I am looking forward to that. One of the things that I love to read, I have typically don't have enough time to read as much as I want to. I'm glad you guys have the dedication and commitment to read the primary source yourself, and we look forward to having you guys talk about what you've read and talk about some questions and dialogue and get people thinking and also come up with a recommended book list for people who want to engage on these kind of topics there are so many books out there and so i think uh, for myself included getting kind of a pared down recommendation from you guys about you know what books to read about what topics would be fantastic so thanks for being on the show today and i look forward to hearing what you guys come up with
2: This morning we're going to talk about the continuing influence of Joseph Stalin and his Marxist ideology in today's critical theory conversations. So why don't we start out by you describing a little bit about the background of critical theory and then kind of show how it's lead us into the connection to Stalin.
1: Yeah, so critical theory and especially critical race theory – has come up a lot in the news, but it's very confusing. You've likely heard it called Marxist, though there's a very good chance that you as a normal person not obsessed with politics does not know why. So critical race theory ultimately comes from something called critical theory, which was an approach to social philosophy That focused on critiquing society and culture as a whole, and was really focused on power structures. And the origin of this was called the Frankfurt School, and they were basically looking at the Soviet Union and later China and seeing that socialism and communism Marxism wasn't turning out too well. And they still generally believed in it, but felt there was a flaw in some way that led to what almost everyone agrees were horrible dictatorships. So they created critical theory. One of the originators described it as a theory to liberate human beings from the circumstances that enslave them. So much like Marxism, it focuses on power structures, class, groups, primarily. This then spawned something called critical legal studies, which was a subset of critical theory This may shock you Came from the legal profession Basically it held that laws Were a codification Of society's biases Against marginalized groups There's quite a bit of variation On exactly what it means But some of the Essential things are that there's a lot of Ambiguity and preferential treatment In things that are supposedly Impartial They also like to focus on the historical, social, economic, and psychological results of legal decisions, and they also want to demystify legal analysis and legal culture to add additional transparency.
2: So can I stop you there, Joel? Of course. Um, So what period of time did all this develop?
1: So critical theory began in the early 20th century with the Soviet Union critical legal studies began in the 1970s.
2: So what I'm curious about is we don't usually hear in the public conversation any sort of reference to some of the Marxist origins of some of this. So is there a reason for that?
1: You know, I think it's complicated. One, a lot of these really honestly were very contained to academia until more recently and they were aware of the origin so it's just not necessary to state it also marxism in the united states at least has quite a pr problem and i do think that an element is practitioners trying to avoid usage of that term so that they do not draw criticisms attached to marxism communism and socialism
2: okay okay So I'm just curious, what is it that got you interested in this particular development of some of the historical connections to critical theory and critical race theory?
1: So what really spawned this enterprise was I was reading a book called Stalin Paradoxes of Power by Stephen Kotkin. It's the first third of a very long biography of Stalin and covers the years up to 1928. And while I was reading this, I noticed that there were a lot of corollaries between things that were happening within the Soviet Union and the Communist Party. I noticed a lot of echoes in the current day, and even though it's much less severe, thankfully we don't have very many Stalinists, and there are even fewer violent purges, I did notice... Some similar thinking and tactics. At the same time, a lot of discussions began about critical race theory. And I had heard that was Marxist. And I sensed some elements of Marxism in that. But I wasn't very familiar with it. Because again, it was primarily an academic theory until very recently. So I began diving deep just trying to figure out what was actually going on with critical race theory.
2: So what is it more specifically that drew your attention when you were reading this Kotkin book about Stalin?
1: A lot of the specific things are just Marxism's general tendency to focus on class, to reject liberalism as an ideology, and to really focus on correct thought as an important element rather than correct action, or correct basic principles.
2: What do you mean by correct thought?
1: So what I mean by that is, for example, people, functionaries in the Communist Party in Russia, could even be expelled from the party for something as simple as sympathy towards kulaks, which were just rich peasants. Um, We don't have to go into that right at the moment. But just the fact that they had sympathy for them Not that they favored them or that they implemented a policy towards them or anything, just the fact that they had sympathy for them was enough for them to be punished. And I think you really see that through a lot of communism and through into critical race theory where it's not just enough that you don't say something offensive or that you don't, you know, intentionally try to harm someone of another race, there's a big focus on thoughts that may even be just subconscious that are wrong and how we need to fix those.
2: So are you talking about sort of government-sponsored orthodoxy?
1: Yes and no. One of my critiques of critical race theory would be that it doesn't really see that much of a difference between government policy and social policy but I do think increasingly you are starting to see this especially in universities government universities but also in other government institutions so I do think that is a growing concern.
2: So when you were talking about sort of the communist socialist focus on class and so on and orthodoxy, as you were describing. Are you drawing parallels to today where we're talking about sort of racial classifications?
1: Yeah, I think that is a very obvious correlate to draw if you're reading about the early Soviet Union. They're spoken about in very similar fashions, and I think the real core is that The Soviets viewed class as an inherent characteristic that affected how you thought, affected your morality, and affected what you would do. And we see a lot of that coming into the discussion about race now, so I think there's quite a connection there, even if not perhaps intentional.
2: So let's uh, try and draw some corollaries here to the Bible Because it sounds like what you're talking about is very different than how the Bible perceives human beings. So I suppose we start with the principle that in the Bible, all of us are created in the image of God, and that there's equality, if you will, because of that. It's not because of race or status or class or any of those things. Can you think of any other References in the Bible that help us understand a view of how human beings are
0: perceived?
1: Well, I think one really important verse that I personally enjoy is Galatians 3.28. I'm reading from the English Standard Version here. It says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ which obviously is very much rejecting these other identities and saying your identity comes from Jesus and God.
2: So if these popular things that we're talking about, whether it's from Stalin's era or the critical race theory discussions today, can we pretty much agree that those are contrary to how the Bible describes human beings? and? how we relate to each other?
1: I would agree with that, although I think you could have a much more in-depth discussion. But I think at its core, yeah, they're incompatible. And I think it's telling that the Soviets outright rejected religion and you don't usually hear religion brought up in a context with critical race theory.
2: So would you say that critical race theory today or even communism is overtly anti-religious? I mean, is that the aim, to tear down religion?
1: Communism is, absolutely. I said earlier that thankfully we don't have a lot of hardcore Stalinists, but there absolutely are still some, and they are absolutely overtly anti-religious. As far as critical race theory, I think it's more that it ignores religion. If I had to Make an educated guess. I think that probably happened largely because of our increasingly secularized world, and rather than an overt hostility, and that it's probably more that its practitioners aren't religious and don't think about other people being religious, and therefore discount its effect, its wisdom, it, etc.
2: Okay. So a lot of people talk about sort of the evils of Western thought, you know, and the power structures that come with it. Is it your sense that this is kind of a matter of people who advocate for critical theory in one form or another today? Just are ignorant of the influence of Christianity on Western thought, or what would you say about that?
1: I think they probably are at least somewhat ignorant, and especially ignorant of the positive aspects, because sometimes negative aspects do make it into schooling. But frankly, we, as a nation, on average, do a pretty poor job of teaching most history, but especially, I'd say, medieval history, So, which is a very important incubating time for the creation of Western thought as we know it today.
2: So I think a lot of people would assume that part of the secularization of our current culture is based on this critical race theory and so on, and I hear you saying probably there's just no recognition of Christianity in the discussion that's going on. Maybe that's just a reflection of secularization of culture and education and so on.
1: That would be my supposition, you know, experiencing academia and reading a lot of information recently, it doesn't seem like most of them, at least on the surface, have a problem with religion. It seems like it just doesn't enter their minds.
2: So does that create some opportunities for people of faith to inject some uh, different thoughts into the conversation? I think
1: it absolutely does. One... You know, as people who are part of a religion that's 2,000 years old, and obviously through Judaism has roots going even further back, we have a lot of history and a lot of examples to draw on that move past race, focus on other things, and, you know, it's become less popular recently, I think, to talk about it, but, you know, the Bible is fundamentally about truth to a certain degree and there's quite a premium placed on truth in the bible and i think a lot of people would value and find sustenance with you know a deeper truth that looks for things beyond uh, the surface of a lot out of our modern political movements and thought
2: Well, I would guess the truth is a conversation we're going to have to save for another day, wouldn't we?
1: Probably. It is a bit of a big topic.
2: So, okay. As we kind of head toward winding down here, do you have any perspectives on what we as people of faith ought to be saying or doing to maybe influence the conversation here? Aside from what you mentioned about truth.
1: Yeah, I think, as Christians, first, we should be looking towards the Bible, and I think, just as critically, we need to look at all of this honestly, and even if we might disagree in general, you know, someone we disagree with makes a good point or a valid point, we need to acknowledge that and consider it, and especially if it's outside your experience, you should think about it. But, in the end, if you you know, still disagree, you need to look at the evidence. And I think you need to take that evidence and you need to be very careful that it's truthful and take it into the public square. And, you know, in a way that accords with our liberal values, you need to advocate against some of these ideas. We can talk Next week, about some of these laws banning critical race theory that have come up, a lot of them, I think, go down the wrong path. But that doesn't mean that you can't do anything. I just think you need to be careful. You need to acknowledge when other people are right, even if you disagree with them. And most importantly, you need to be sure that you are spreading the truth.
2: So as we obviously have something to talk about next week when we continue this conversation, but I would think that we have some opportunities to talk about a more positive view of human beings, even as we acknowledge what the Bible says about fallen human nature, and that we all have value because we're created in the image of God. and that each one of us should be treated respectfully i mean there's a lot of passages in the bible that talk about treating people compassionately and so on like that and justly i mean micah 6 8 you know admonishes us to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our god which seems like pretty good life advice that would be beneficial to just about everybody could get into a serious conversation so do you have any parting thoughts Do you want to leave with everyone here today?
1: You know, I think I just really want to hit home again with there's a lot of misinformation from all sides out there. And, you know, just you need to do your best to find out what's correct and just, you know, really focus on honesty and truth because I know the impulse is always there to lie or exaggerate, to get your point across, But ultimately, we see from Jesus, from the Bible, from Martin Luther King, that the truth is incredibly powerful. And while it may not be the fastest route to success, it's the most durable and the most uh, biblical.
2: Well, it sounds like we have something to work with there. So I'd just like to close us out in our time now. Again, my name is Herb Gray. I've been talking with my son, Joel, who, as I indicated at the top of the program, is way smarter than I am. Just like to thank you all for joining us here on KPDQ 800 AM True Talk Radio. And uh, invite you to join in again the same time next week at 9.30 AM. If you want to know more about the ministry of the Ambassadors Forum, again, I suggest that you check out our website at theambassadorsforum.com. In addition to this radio program, we have uh, monthly Friday forums, which usually occur on the third Friday of each month in the evening. The next one will be August 20th. We also have our fifth annual apologetics conference coming up October 8th and 9th. It will be held at Southwest Hills Baptist Church. It will be in person as well as online. So please check out the website, theambassadorsforum.com, for registration, speakers, and other information about it. We hope in this time that we have helped you to know God as he is a little better and to be able to evaluate some of what's going on in our world and compare it to what the Bible tells us. So for now, again, this is Herb Gray and Joel Gray. and We just wish that you uh, all have a great weekend.